We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Happy holidays, you ho-ho-hos. Santa Claus isn't real. Oh, wait, don't tell Jason. So you can be as naughty as you want this season. Make like George Stewart and reassign your funds to purchase a Manscaped product to help make your reindeer with the big red nose look its best as it brings holiday cheer. My favorite product is the Lawnmower 3.0. I just love how hard I can throw it at my television after the Chargers allow another blocked punt. Join me in frustration by using the code GUILTY at checkout for a 20% discount to purchase yours today. Or later, even if you're late, it's better than 3 and 8. Hey, Charger fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Uh, that obviously was not pretty. It was not a good day to be a Chargers fan, um, but we'll get into it. I don't know how much we're going to talk about the game, but we are going to talk about uh, the upcoming free agency period and, and maybe some other things for the offseason as well for uh, this Los Angeles Chargers team. So uh, let's get right to it. Alex and Tyler, thanks for joining, man. Uh, how are you guys doing? Um, today was certainly a day. Uh, <laughs> Chargers history. I it's funny because the day started and I tweeted on Twitter because uh, Rappaport put out that report in the morning that was like, oh well, you know, uh, Lynn and uh, Doug Peterson are on the hot seat, and I was like, well, I mean, I don't see the whole point of firing Lynn midseason. I now see the point of firing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cause I, cause I was going through it mentally and I was like, well, I mean, Steichen's not ready to be in the interim and no one wants Gus Bradley to be the interim, yeah. but man, that was just something I could not have seen coming. Uh, just a total, 
steamrolling uh the special teams is just fucking terrible like i <laughs> i don't know i mean obviously special teams has not been a charger strength in recent years but i don't understand for the life of me how they're this bad <laughs> the 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 field goal block was just yeah. the cherry on top in so many ways um but yeah, no. I mean, forty-five nothing is is forty-five nothing, and it felt every bit like that forty-five nothing. So, hey, well, uh, on the bright side for you, man, you got Jalen Hurts. That's the bright side. <laughs> the bright side. The bright side is that I have a, a quarterback controversy. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but well, um, Tyler, your your family had a good day. At least your dad did. Uh, how are you doing, man? Yeah, well, okay, my dad had a good day because he's a Raiders fan. So I got to watch the Raiders win today. That's great. <laughs> I mean, you know, believe it or not, although I am typically very quiet, and I don't shout and yell all that much. My dad is extremely loud and extremely brash and vocal. So when the team is winning or losing, he's very, very loud. So it was very loud in an angry sort of way for a long time there. But fortunately, the Jets handed the Raiders the win on a silver platter and everything uh, worked out. So he was, he, we were, we were honestly, I was very happy for him. The chargers are completely out of this. So watching the Raiders pull out some win because the Jets screwed up, I, I felt happy for him, but it's still the Raiders. So whatever, <laughs> uh, as far as the game goes, uh, I got to watch my cat slowly pass away this past week. And somehow that was less depressing. Oh gosh. That is, <laughs> That makes me feel okay. Maybe like not, that. but okay. Still. <laughs> but I was going to say that that is uh, some next level depression. <laughs> Today um, was, uh, was not a good day. Um, no, I think uh, it was Jeff Miller, maybe, who said that. It would have been better if USC had played the Patriots today, and honestly, it probably would have been. <laughs> um, you know, I'm glad that the media was lighting into the team because today. It was atrocious, man. And Alex and I were both a little uh, pessimistic heading into this game. You know, we both predicted the Patriots to win, I think. Right, Alex? Yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't expecting them to win, but I wasn't expecting the biggest blowout in franchise history either. (laughs) So it was just, it was not a good performance. And, you know, after halftime, after that field goal was blocked, I was just like, you know, I was flipping back and forth. I turned off the game for a little bit. And then I saw that Kenneth Murray was lighting it up a little bit. So I turned it back on. Uh, and then Justin Herbert threw an interception, so I turn it back off, and it was it was not a not a fun day to be a Chargers fan, and and uh, I honestly have never been more embarrassed of my favorite NFL team in my entire life. It always makes me wonder why I'm a fan. <laughs> like I, I I spent a lot of money and a lot of time on the team, and then to go out and that's that, that was that you're right, that was absolutely embarrassing. That was 60 minutes of torture, and I I honestly think. I, I couldn't think of a game that was worse for me to watch than watching the team travel to New England and get destroyed by the Patriots in the divisional round. I mean, yeah, that had more excitement into it, I guess. Like you thought, oh, maybe they have a chance of winning. But this one, I mean, God, what a what an awful game. Like, what an awful game. Like, I didn't turn the TV off. I should have. I've wasted four hours every Sunday for 13 weeks or 12 weeks now watching this team well, not lose every time, but three and nine. What a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, well, I had to turn it off because it was 35 0. And then I got a tweet that Jalen Hurts is in the game. And I'm like, okay, this is a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> but I guess I, I have to legally watch this. Uh, but 
I, I just, yeah, it, this is probably like, you know, the worst blowout in franchise history, but it's like the worst game I can remember. Um, and part of it is just like, you know, the coaching staff is kind of clearly out at this point. Uh, the team is clearly out <laughs> in a lot of ways, even though guys like Bosa and, uh, you know, we had Kenneth Murray today and Justin Herbert, and those guys are still trying. But yeah. it's just clear that, you know, they're on their last legs here with this coaching staff and people are throwing helmets on the sidelines. Uh, it, it was the, I mean, you know, the Lynn coaching tenure might go on four more weeks or whatever it is. Uh, but this feels like the ugliest end uh, to a franchise uh, period that I can remember. Like, you know, McCoy obviously was bad. They were four and twelve or five and eleven or whatever it was, but they never got this uh, bad. Yeah. I mean, same thing. You know, obviously with how North Turner ended or how any other coaches ended in, in franchise history, and I just don't really remember like a, a coach having this bad an exit. Maybe like Freddie Soup Kitchens last year, uh, <laughs> but. Other than that, I, I really can't think of anything that, that really compares to just Lynn and all these guys completely falling apart, uh, you know, just just in terms of execution and discipline as well. Um, I, to me, it's not so much the final score on the board rather than like, you know, all of the penalties, uh, <laughs> the two, 12 men on the field, 10 men on the field. Like so I, I, that was just so ridiculously bad. And I'm like, how are you guys still an NFL team? Like, how have you not been relegated? Like they played 10 men, 12 men. It's just so crazy and bizarre. Um, and, you know, we talk about, we talked about like George Stewart firing being the turning point. It ain't going to be a turning point. No. Uh, in, in any way it's just like it seems like the guys are even more disorganized on special teams now uh than they were before so um just bad feelings all around it, it feels like you know the rest of the four games are certainly pointless and um you know i i just don't i don't see how this team scrapes out a single win in these last four games now yeah, that's it's going to be tough to watch these last four games, honestly. And uh, someone pointed this out to me, and the more I think about it, like the more I'm pretty sure that it's true, is that you know they moved George Stewart to offense, and ever since that happened, the offense has just gone to the shitter. <laughs> like it's been so bad the last couple of weeks, and so uh, you know George Stewart, man, I don't know what you're doing, and I don't know what your the energy you're bringing to this team is like, but it's just been tough. And I, I will say, like, I don't want to talk about for the, this game for very much longer, but. You know, we finally saw Kenneth Murray, like, step up and make his presence known. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for his breakout game. And it's unfortunate that it had to happen in the biggest blowout in franchise history. But I thought Kenneth Murray played outstanding. I thought for the most part, the defense did okay. You know, uh, Damian Harris averaged five yards a carry, which isn't great. But, you know, I I thought that they, they played okay. This was really just the offense was completely overmatched. Justin Herbert was under pressure all the freaking time. It seemed like basically on every single drop back, the secondary, uh, you know, the, the secondary of the Patriots just, they just swarmed and the Chargers had no chance to move the ball. And honestly, I felt like once Michael Badgley missed that field goal, the opening drive field goal, I was like, okay, this is going to get ugly. This is going to be not very pretty. 
And I didn't think it was going to be 45 to zero bad, but uh, that just once Badgley missed that field goal, it was over. Speaking of Michael Badgley, it's like, what do you do here anymore? <laughs> you can't fucking hit a field goal, extra point misses. I'm like, and, and the weird part is he's basically been playing in like, I mean, not the, you know, Charger Stadium is not necessarily indoor. <laughs> I mean, it's basically indoor. Yeah. I mean, other than just some outdoor ventilation and stuff, it's an indoor stadium and like, He's missing kicks in there. I mean, obviously, the missed kicks in the Saints game. Um, I, I just don't know what the point of it is. It's very clear he's not going to turn it around. He's not injured. He's not hurt. Um, so bring on the kicker that kicked 68.9% at UCLA or whatever. <laughs> is that Jake. how bad he was? Yeah, the garbage <laughs> yeah. kicker who never oh, yeah. Yeah. Do whatever. Dude, well, okay, so there's, there's some pros and cons. One – He's a terrible kicker in field goals, but he only missed one extra point out of 152, which might be better than what Badgley gives you. you Um, But nah, I mean, it's honestly just like play him. Like, you know, what do you have to lose in these next four games by not playing Badgley? Like, um, I I think they should be willing to try everything, whether that's, uh, you know, playing Badgley, making any kind of adjustments on returns, uh, offensive line, whatever they want to do. It's like, you know, get the guys who want to be here next year. Um, and, and that's what I think they should really focus on in these last four games uh, in terms of trying to set the team up for the future. Um, not that I think Clinton's going to be a part of that future or anything, but uh, I, I think that that's just what you have to focus on uh, in, in terms of kind of the positives or not even positives, just how the season's, you know, adjusting in these last four games yeah speaking to the future i mean obviously kenneth murray is going to be here for a few years as long as he's you know healthy and playing well good for him honestly good for you dude he was the one of the few guys out there yeah i mean yeah he was playing well but man was he hyping himself up hyping up the rest of the team he just wanted to go out there and play football i don't know what got into him today you know, I know they mentioned that Nick Vigil was was calling plays and Kenneth Murray didn't have to or, or whatever. Uh, it worked. Um, he finally got his first sack, which is great. I'm really bummed to see that, you know, he, between him and Patrick Queen, the Ravens are blitzing Queen like crazy. He had like three times the rate of Murray. And yet Murray's being used as a, it's all confusing. But, you know, <laughs> 14 total tackles, 12 solo, a sack, two tackles for a loss, a quarterback yeah, hit. I'm awesome. sure tons of pressures. He was everywhere. He was honestly... Kind of like Bosa last week, it was just kind of like the entertainment that we had in a loss. Yeah. Um, although there are many more positives in the Buffalo Bills game last week. Um, as far as Badgley goes, trotting him out there for a 58-yard field goal was a big fuck. So dumb. I hated that <laughs> so much. And there's not a single fan, despite the fact that Badgley holds that record for the longest field goal in franchise history, I, was, I think 59, then there wasn't a single person who thought they were going to make that. Nope. They were going to go from... <laughs> Nope. What was it? 20, 21 to zero to 23, 21 to three or whatever. Like that was going to make any difference. All of that was, was an attempt for Lynn to not have the score say zero blown out to zero. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was still it, like, it still says blown out to zero. So congratulations. <laughs> it was just confusing to me that one. Cause it's like, okay, there's three seconds left. They spiked the ball. I don't know. They were at what the 40 yard line. So I'm like, why don't you just chuck it into the end zone with Herbert and see what happens, yeah. right? If if you get a Hail Mary there, you know, not that I'm saying that would happen, but 
you're 21 seven in the halftime now, and then you get the ball at the half, right? So then, you know, you can make that a one possession game fairly quickly and then things turn. Um, it, it just seems like they lost so many potential chances and momentum by just, you know, playing it safe in a game where it didn't make sense to play safe because they were down by two possessions, like, or more the whole game. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just didn't understand that at all. Um, going for a field goal, you know, 58 yards, you know, with how this specific special teams uh, unit has been blocking for their kickers and punters. It's just like, it never, made any sense and you know and you knew the second it was blocked that that's going all the way back to the yep. house uh yep. you knew the second that happened uh it was just such a such a disastrous day um for for special teams i i really it just seems like you know stewart was obviously bad but now they're just completely <laughs> direction lost yeah. Which, yeah lost. i mean they're, yeah they're they're totally lost in that department um and you know I, it's funny because that first drive, I was like, okay, this is actually a pretty good Steichen drive. And then Steichen didn't have a good drive the whole, the rest of the whole game. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It just seems like after Badgley, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it already, but after Badgley missed that field goal uh, and after, you know, all the special teams blunders, it just seems like it, they were just mentally out of it at that point. Cause it was like, how is this happening again? Um, but to an even you know larger extent this game. Yeah, my my mother-in-law has watched probably like before today, probably like 20 minutes of Chargers football. And and she texted, you know, our family group chat and was like, why would they why would they do that? Like I thought their kicker was terrible. And I was like, I don't freaking know. Like, what is the thought process of of you know strolling out a kicker who's been so bad this year? to you know do a 58 yard field goal and and he's been like what over six on 58 plus yards this year so, so it was just it was just kind of a microcosm of the season and really the biggest like microcosm of this season that i heard in this stupid press conference from anthony lynn anthony lynn said after the game that he talked to justin herbert and justin herbert was like yeah coach i want to stay in the game and then justin herbert was like i didn't have that conversation uh, like how does that happen like you can't stand up at the podium and, and bullshit people like that and then expect it to just fly around. Like Justin Herbert doesn't, he's not savvy enough to know to lie to the media. Like he's going to be honest because that's who he is. And so like the fact that there's just this disconnect between the chargers coaching staff and the team now, I, I don't know if they'll fire him tomorrow. I don't know if they'll let him write it out, but man, today was this is what happens when you tell everybody in the world that you're not yep. playing for the playoffs anymore. Like mm-hmm. today is the mock today is the result of saying, yeah, we're probably not playing for the playoffs. We're just playing for each other. Well, fuck that, that mentality because he <laughs> got blown out 45 to zero Anthony Lynn. And uh, he did say after the game that the loss is on him and he is right. It is 100% on him. So is the Buffalo game. So is the Miami game. And somehow, some way, this team just keeps getting worse and worse and worse to end the season. It's been such a weird storyline following Lynn because, like, he said something stupid last year where he's like, oh, Rayshon Jenkins is an elite safety. Yeah. And, and we thought that was crazy. Like, we thought that was the dumbest shit he would possibly say in his tenure. And then we're like, okay, okay. And then he's like, oh, Rayshon Jenkins is elite, but he's also going to be a breakout player. It's like, that's even dumber. Now, yeah. Can you make it even dumber this year, Lynn? And then, of course, it all trickles from the, you know, backup for a reason comment. And we're like, okay, that was weird. And then just 
It's been odd. I don't know. It's been really weird. Like Lynn, like I know he survived getting, you know, hit by a car and, you know, thrown 20 yards into a Volkswagen or whatever. It's like the brain damage is setting in now. Like, honestly, I, I don't know <laughs> what happened. He's like, I respect him like crazy. You know, I think he's, he's everyone. Everyone respects him as a person. Great person. Great foundation. Building wells in Tanzania and all these amazing things that he's doing. But he's just he's just been so bizarre. So he's been so strange. And the way he's been answering questions recently, you know, I, I forget what the question Popper asked him was last week. You know, uh, about the time at or, or the end of the half or whatever it was, and he just sat there and he's like, "Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. Like, how are you not sure? I could. I mean, I. I just. I really don't get it. It's been. He's been devolving for the uh, the entire season. I don't know what happened, but he's, he's just been regressing as a human being, as a critical thinker. It's just been so odd. And, for, and then, like you said, microcosm for the season for him to just be like. Oh yeah, you know, I talked to Justin, blah blah blah, and just bullshitting us. Of course, we're gonna get the answer eventually. You know, Justin's not gonna be like, oh yeah, whatever. I look, I'm sure Justin didn't want to come out of the game, and I think he said as much. Like, like I want to fight with my guys and whatever. But just for Lynn to lie about that conversation, it's just been so odd. So if you're lying and losing, you can, like, he ha- Lynn has his integrity of nothing else, and if he's losing that and he's just stone cold lying to the media now, you, you can go. It's just so weird, as you said, like just how much he's regressed as a coach. Because this was the dude that, you know, two years ago at this time uh, went into Arrowhead Stadium against arguably the best coach in the league. Um, right. And, and, and beat the MVP with a quarterback with a terrible offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and and that, it's just so hard to believe now. That, that was, you know, two years ago. Um, and, and there were even moments last year where, like, okay, you know, he um, got a win somehow. But, like, now it's, it's just totally terrible, and it's hard to believe that these two, you know, coaches or these two years um, – are, are the same coach, uh, I guess, when you compare 2018 and, and 2020, um, just, you know, how much kind of, you know, uh, I guess how determined he was and how confident he was in every decision. And now there's a bunch of second guessing himself and, you know, having these weird press conferences and um, just an overall lack of discipline. And that, you know, uh, circulates throughout the entire team. It really does, man. And it's like I said, you know, when you make that kind of comment about the playoffs and everybody knows it, well, the players that this is what happens and whether or not you can say that to the players, I think is a different conversation, but whether you say that to the media like that is, that is, is not, it's not a good look at all. And, and, you know, Tyler said it best is just, this team is dumb and it has a dumb head coach and, and they're making dumb decisions all over the place. So you know, I did. I will say, I thought it was hilarious today that Matt Miller of uh, Bleacher Report was like, "I think Anthony Lynn's going to get another job, and he just needs a healthy roster." It's like, excuse me, are you watching this yeah. team, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could certainly see him getting like an offensive or defensive coordinator somewhere, but to to go from head coach to head coach, no. I, I I couldn't see him doing that after this. I think he would be a really good college coach. I, I do. I think you know all the culture stuff and. And the way that he loves his players, I think I think he could be a good college coach somewhere. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know what he's going to do, but 
Um, you know, we talked about our head coaching candidates and Alex and I both hated the, the Josh McDaniels mention. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, he's been brought up now by two very uh, verified sources in Albert Breer and Benjamin Albright. And, you know, I have my issues with Benjamin Albright because he's kind of a dickhead, but uh, <laughs> he is a good reporter and people trust him and, and he knows he knows a lot of stuff. And the fact that him and Albert Breer both think that Josh McDaniels is going to be a, a possible head coaching candidate for the Chargers. Like, um, I personally don't love it. Like, interview him, sure. Um, there are definitely some good things about him. You know, Justin Herbert likes him apparently, and uh, he's won some Super Bowls, but I don't know, man, just like the character concerns and, and how he handled the Indianapolis thing, you know, I don't want to re- rehash everything that we talked about, but I, I, I'm not excited about this team potentially hiring Josh McDaniels at all. I'll rehash everything we talked about. <laughs> all right. Josh McDaniels is a total loser fraud. I look, he it's not even like oh he ditched the Colts or whatever going back to Denver he was a terrible head coach who got caught in a videotaping scandal (laughs) uh, a la the Patriots then ditched in the uh and he hasn't even been good with the Patriots the Patriots ranked 29th in the league in passing (laughs) like I mean sure they were fine today but like that's because they were playing the Chargers and the Chargers can't stop the run for anything um i'm just like i haven't been impressed with josh mcdaniel since like what brady's mvp year and like this is the dude that gets coaching interviews because he's near belichick i i just don't understand it and sure i mean he's won super bowls but like if you look at what he's won you know since you know coming back to new england following the indianapolis you know debacle the one super bowl that the patriots won uh, was the Rams one, and their offense was pretty bad throughout that playoffs yeah. and pretty bad in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I just I don't see him as a head coaching candidate. Um, it, it feels like if we're talking about any other person, like very few people would get the chances he's gotten. Um, and I think that's what frustrates me more than anything is, you know, just very few coaches at all, you know, get a second chance to be a head coach. And I just don't see what he's done at all to deserve being a second, a second chance at head coach. Um, Cause I remember when, you know, he ditched the indie job in 2018, people would be like, Oh, it'd be many years before he'd be a head coach again. And now he's going to be a head coach in Los Angeles or somewhere else. I, I just don't understand how you can hire that guy with the fact that he's not even really that great for all the baggage that he brings. I, I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, I agree. The, the whole baggage, the indie thing, the indie thing, like some of the Broncos stuff, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But the indie thing was just so, so weird to me. And and thankfully that, that franchise is actually, you know, remodeled and, and they're doing great right now. You know, but for him to go, yeah, yeah, sure. And then and just pull the rug like that. That's, that's really that's not very classy. And then I just, he never really struck me as a guy who was like this genius offensive coordinator. Right. You know, not that, you know, like, look, he looked at Cam Newton and was like, your arm is shit. So we're going to run the fuck out of this ball. So that's fine. Like good for you. (laughs) Like that was a good call, I guess. And you know, they're a decent team rushing the ball, but he's never struck me as the guy who's like, um, I I don't know their names, but the offensive quitter for like the bills, for example, kind of creative. You know, gets the gets everybody kind of working, mixing, matching, whatever. 
you know, the Bills have like one or two plays on tape where it's like, you know, well, like they throw to Josh Allen in the end zone or whatever they did recently against the Chargers. Like, okay, he's never struck me as like an Andy Reid kind of guy. So yeah. if you're kind of a eh person and you're not really like a great offensive coordinator, you just ride off the coattails of the fact that you had a really, really, really good quarterback for many years. It's just not that interesting to me. Right. Um, is it that McDaniels is tied to the Chargers more because like a Telesco thing? And would that diminish if Telesco were fired? Or is he just tied to them because the Spanos family likes him? Well, Albert Breer mentioned that Telesco and uh, McDaniels were college teammates. Um, gotcha. I don't know where, but um, you know they were teammates. And I I think the yeah I think that the idea of hiring McDaniels is much more of a Telesco move than it is right. a Spanos move. And, may, and maybe maybe it is more of a Spanos move. I don't know. You know, we haven't heard anything from them in years. And you know, maybe the fact that they almost went after Brady was, was kind of an indicator of like, Hey, like we kind of want to replicate mm-hmm. what the Patriots are doing. I don't know. This is definitely, you know, me, you know, spitballing. I, I know nothing sure. about this situation, but I, I just think, you know, we talked about this, the, the charters job, once it comes open is arguably the best coaching job in, in that's going to be available. It, it's, it's definitely the second, it's definitely a top two or three job. And, you know, I really think that they are a legitimate head coach away from being a contending team. And I think that's going to be very, you know, appealing to uh, potential coaching candidates. And so I just feel like if you hire Josh McDaniels, I just feel like you're settling for not yeah. even a big name. Like at least if you go out and, you know, you you offered like an Urban Meyer or something like that, at least it's like a big name. Like at least you're swinging for the fences. But I just feel like Josh McDaniels, like, He's not a big name. He's not that good of a head coach. I just feel like that's a big, big, big settle for, uh, you know, a poor coaching hire. I just, I just wouldn't be excited about that at all. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. I, th- I think it's just, it's weird that this name is like coming out before Anthony Lynn is even like fired too, yeah. which makes me think that like this is in more advanced conversations than we might think um which is just it's it's bad to me and it looks bad on telesco that like all this stuff is coming out and like you haven't even interviewed a single coaching candidate right so at what point it's like do do the interviews even matter this year like are you even going to try to go after a roberts uh sala or uh an eric b enemy even you know I, I just I struggle with Josh McDaniels getting an opportunity and I, I struggle with him being the preferred candidate out of what's actually a, a decently stacked, uh, you know, coaching yeah. cycle. Right. I just, you know, for for him to be the dude, it's just confusing to me and it, it makes me want to push the the nuclear option of firing uh, everyone in terms of cleaning house <laughs> yeah. more than anything. Um, but it seems pretty clear now that Lynn's going to be the one who goes and Telesco is going to be able to pick Josh McDaniels. Do you think there's a possibility that Josh McDaniels is attractive because he could bring some Patriots coaches with him? So maybe like, I, don't, the, I mean, everyone talks about the former offensive line coach for the Patriots who's retired now, pulling back out of retirement for the 32nd time or whatever. But, you know, like, honestly, watching the Patriots, they are very well coached in the secondary, their linebacker, defensive line, yeah. whatever. Like, maybe there's the allure of him bringing the offensive line coach that's retired 
or bringing the linebackers coach to be your defensive coordinator like maybe kind of just elevating different that's the best i could that's the best i can come up with yeah i I mean we we just saw how you know patriots in another place works with matt patricia in uh detroit i mean he he brought a bunch of former patriots players and amandola and all those guys with them um and i I think he brought um i don't know one or two assistants but it, it just it never works away from bill belichick like i yeah. don't know i don't know how many times you know people need to pick from the bill belichick coaching tree to realize that it's not a coaching tree and he's just the only smart person in the building <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I, I i don't really i i really just don't it's it's just um, it's a mess <laughs> yeah so gerard mayo is their linebackers coach and and he is generating some good buzz in terms of uh being a defensive coordinator candidate and um you know there have been have been oh my gosh i can't speak there have even been some sites that have recommended him as a possible head coaching candidate i think that's a little bit rich especially because yeah. just retired from the nfl as a player like literally a year ago <laughs> um but listen if if Josh McDaniels coming to Los Angeles means they get Dante Starnecchia out of retirement. I don't fucking care anymore. Sign me up because Dante <laughs> Starnecchia is the greatest offensive line coach in the history of the NFL. So yeah. uh, if the, if that is the result of, of hiring Josh McDaniels, I'm fine with it. But other than that, I want zero part of Josh McDaniels. I don't want him anywhere near Justin Herbert or any Los Angeles Chargers players. Um, unless, like I said, unless he's bringing Dante Starnecchia out of retirement which he's like 75 now and has retired like seven times. So uh, eight times a charm. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, we'll see. I, like Alex said, I, I have a hard time believing that this is like really coming out because Tom Telesco is letting it come out. I, you know, we he's been so right. he's run such a tight knit ship for the last eight years that I, I would have a hard time believing that he is like the one pushing this narrative out that Josh McDaniels is like his preferred choice. So I don't know how much I buy it. I think that maybe it's just kind of him peddling that maybe Anthony Lynn's on the hot seat, I guess. I don't know, but we'll yeah, see. it was very, it was very weird that it came out right after the game. <laughs> well, we we heard a little bit about Albert Breer, but that Albright tweeted that right after the game made me think like, you know, maybe yeah. Telesco wanted to go small and let out a little, um, I, you know, I have no Cause idea it wasn't even like a half hour after the game was over. It was oh. like 10 minutes after yeah. the game was over. He was like, Josh McDaniels is going to be a candidate. It's like, how are you, who, why are you doing this? <laughs> and, the, the, and who's yeah. letting it leak? <laughs> The other thing that perplexed me about that tweet was that they were like, oh, the Chargers view themselves as like a contending team that is uh, is one coach away. I'm like, no, this whole season. I mean, like, are yes, are they a coach away? Sure. But it's like you have to fix the offensive line and you have to fix like all of these things yeah. before we really start talking about like Super Bowl, you know, Um you know, the secondary, uh, the defensive line, because Tillery is a worthless piece of shit. I, I mean, like, there's <laughs> so many things you you have to fix before this is even, like, a, a consistent playoff team, let alone, like, a contender. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just don't like the hire. I don't like that the franchise views themselves as so close to contention, because they're not. I mean, they need so many things, really, before they're even a uh, consistent contender, even with 
you know, Herbert Bosa and Keenan. I yeah, somehow but- get that though, because that they're think they're close to contention because like the guys that are going to be in the Super Bowl this year, potentially the saints and the chiefs, they can, they competed with them as better than anybody else. So yeah. technically I could see that they think of themselves like that, that they are a head coach away from just flipping three points the other direction, but yeah, I don't, I, mean, I don't, I don't really buy that they're a head coach away. Yeah. I, I think that a new head coach and a really good head coach gets them on the right track next year, but they need to fix this offensive line. And that was so obvious today. And Brian Balaga, he returned and he finished the game. So like, that's good. Um, But even he was really bad today. And, you know, I I was really excited about this team trading for Trey Turner, especially because, you know, I, I, it was impossible to predict the injury thing. Right. But because he had never been hurt that much in, in Carolina. But I just felt like, you know, this team needed some more tenacity up front and needed an enforcer. That's what they missed most out of Mike Pouncey last year. And, and, you know, the thought process of having Pouncey and Turner together, like it was exciting for me as as an offensive lineman guy. Like it really was. But Trey Turner is bad, like really, really bad right now. And, you know, he his awareness and like how how quickly he comes off blocks is is so poor. And, you know, they were doing some basic stunts and, and they were get, just getting blown up. And so I don't know, man, like they have three free agents on the left side with, with Sam Tebby, Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney. Sam Tebby, I guess, like, honestly, like he might be the best of the three, which is freaking crazy. Yeah. Um, but they can cut Turner, too, man. Like if they get four new starters next year and keep Blaga, I'm honestly happy with it. I, I think everybody on this offensive line except for Blaga can can kick rocks honestly i really do dude sam tevy's fucking newborn could probably block better <laughs> than all these dudes like it's 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 so just absurd and i i feel bad for storm norton because he got thrown into this and it's know, such it, a tough situation yeah i don't think i don't think people really understand like how tough getting thrown into this situation where you don't get practice reps is for yeah. a team and I don't know. Like the offensive line was not great outside of Storm Norton, but obviously, you know, he did not play very well either. In regards to the um, trade Turner trade, I mean, I don't think there's a way that that trade ends up bad. I, I, I mean, they were getting rid of Okung anyway, so it just was like, okay, let's trade him for Turner and see what he has. Um, so I don't think there's any way that the trade ends up bad. But yeah, Turner certainly, from where we thought he would be preseason has definitely underperformed to this point and you know i didn't even think this would be a question of are they going to pick up his 2021 option or not that it's an option but would they cut him uh next year and that's just that would be a crazy thing to think before the season but now i don't think it's crazy because you know he's healthy now and he's been pretty consistently bad um so the offensive line is just really in tatters and it, it, it makes me almost hope the Bengals can win a game somewhere <laughs> so oh. we can put ourselves in Sewell position. <laughs> I need it. I need uh, it. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. Well, the, the good thing is we do have the fourth pick now because uh, virtue of the giants winning, I guess <laughs> uh, because strength of schedule and all, but uh, yeah, no, the, there's a valley difference between having that Sewell pick and the fourth pick, but I will say the fourth pick is still valuable because you could get teams to trade up at least for that uh, and maybe kick off the draft. But 
I don't know. Just speaking of the draft, this team has nine picks, and they will need every one of those nine based on what I saw today. <laughs> and Telesco will get one of them right. <laughs> I'd add his going yeah. rate, at least. I think he'll we'll see. <laughs> Fortunately, Murray had a good game. Anywho, Turner's is such an odd one for me because it when he was in Carolina, it never looked like him not having any recognition or awareness was the issue. I always thought he was just beat by pure athleticism and he didn't really get beat all that often. He was a guy I thought was, you know, pretty smart, always looked for work and always, you know, was pretty solid. Just for him to be, everyone just looks lost. I don't know what's going on. You know, maybe just, they haven't been playing together all that much. I mean, yeah, that's, that's certainly part of it. I do feel bad for the guys that are just consistently, you know, Pipkins, uh, Norton, you know, Toner, whoever the heck, you know, good luck. Like you're in today, huh? Yeah, good luck. Go <laughs> go block the Patriots. Who, you know, a super smart defense. Good luck. You know, just getting thrown into these games, you know, pregame, midgame. I don't know what the plan, like, did they just like, oh, Tevi's having a kid. Like, I guess you're going to go. Like, I don't know. Did they even plan at all? Like, was there... Like, you kind of, hey, like, when's about the nine month period, Debbie? <laughs> you know, or did they just uh, not know? And they're like, uh, well, <laughs> we tried it with Herbert and it worked. So, uh, Norton, get out there. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. No, uh, no warning. Good luck. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe just everyone coming back next year and having time to work together will hopefully change things just because Turner losing that awareness, recognition, and smarts is just so odd for me based on what he did in Carolina. Uh, the rest of the three, I love Dan Feeney. Um, he can go. Forrest Lamp had a great start to the season. He can go. And yeah, you're right. I honestly, I can't believe it. Tevi might be the most valuable of all of them. And, you know, if they don't get that Pene Sewell pick, by golly, we could be watching Sam Tevi. And instead, you know, using the first, you know, couple of picks or whatever, maybe not the, the fourth pick. But, you know, getting some interior offensive linemen or, you know, yeah. pray, pray Cole Toner can play left guard or something and, and question Barrett center, but even I'm not really comfortable with that. So I don't know. I'm just ready to blow up this whole offensive line. If Turner has to go too, and they need to free up some money to get someone else they feel more comfortable with, or that they feel it fits them better, whatever, fine. Um, but so far, sadly, the James Campen experiment has kind of failed so far. Um, and I, don't, a- I don't, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, here's a stat of the day for how fucking terrible this offensive line was today. The Patriots are 31st in pass rush win rate. Oh, God. 31st in the league. They're like fourth they're, now. They're, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're like prob- fourth now. <laughs> they're, they're, prob- they're probably like fourth. They're just not a good defensive no. line, like in any capacity. And like, they look like the 85 wow. bears out there. Like that's, yeah, that's just, you know, so telling about like, not just like, obviously, you know, you're missing Tevi and I understand that, but like at some point it's definitely just like, we've talked about, uh, you know, run blocking and stuff as like an effort game and like, or, or, you know, the defensive line and stomping the run is an effort game. It's like some point it's like, dude, these guys suck at pa- rushing the passer. Like in most uh, statistics, like you got to just come on and, and get your man and like protect Justin Herbert from getting burrowed. Like, I, I mean, that's it just it feels like that's what the path we're on. And uh, I have no idea, you know, the, the Falcons now kind of have a decent defensive line and 
obviously they're going to go against the Raiders and the Broncos and teams that actually have functioning defenses now. Um, and the Patriots were supposed to be the worst of those and yep. they weren't. It's just, you know, it's also, you know, it goes back to this whole conversation about like the difference coaching makes <laughs> you know, the greatest coach of all time versus, you know, this fucking clod. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that I'm going to have to watch Grady Jarrett up against this Chargers offensive line next week, man. <laughs> Grady Jarrett's going to have like seven sacks next week. It's going to be a, and that's the thing is like Justin Herbert has been running for his freaking life the last few weeks. And it's finally like getting to him. It really is. He's yep. been, he's been missing guys. He's been inaccurate in certain places and it's hard to blame him because he today felt like he would had someone in his face on every single throw. It really yeah. did. And you know, chemistry is such an underrated aspect of playing offensive line and like having this lack of continuity this season has definitely hurt them. And, you know, I guess you could make an argument that like bringing all these guys back would improve, but man, like Dan Feeney, I don't even know if he's a backup at this point. I don't think for slap, like, you know, I'm okay bringing him back as a backup and I'm yep. definitely okay bringing Sam Tevy as a backup, but sure. You, this team needs absolutely needs to draft at least three offensive linemen next year and probably sign a couple and, and maybe Cole Toner starts next year instead of Forrest Lamp. Like, I'd be okay with that. Um, but you know, Dan Feeney in particular, I, I don't think people understand how important the center position is because he's the one who sets the tone in, in, on every single play. If Dan Feeney gets blown up on a run play, that run play doesn't work. If Dan Feeney gets beat up the middle, that pass play doesn't work. And so they are at such a disadvantage because Dan Feeney has fallen off of a cliff this year. And really it was like the first three games were good and everything else since then has been atrocious. At least Forrest Lamp has had like some good moments here and there and uh, sprinkled in some good games. And same with Sam Tevy. But Dan Feeney has just been bad all season long after pretty much the Chiefs game. And I guess he played like okay against the Panthers, but it's 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 bad and you know throw a lot of go get david andrews off of the patriots next year like for i don't care how much money it costs like they absolutely absolutely have to upgrade the center position more so than the left tackle position in my opinion and you know what the raiders as much as i hate them they spent a lot of money on their offensive line yeah they spent a lot of capital on the offensive line the guys that you know should be there spending a ton on Brown, drafting Miller first overall, signing Gabe Jackson, getting, I think, either trading or signing Rodney Hudson. And um, they had assembly at one point and, and all these guys. And that's why they're kind of good. You know, it they, is, yeah. they've invested so much in their offensive line. Like their secondary is awful. Their defense is pretty much awful. And they almost got beat by the Jets today. But their offensive line is really good. And that just keeps you so consistent in so many it does. games. And it does. Derek Carr is not better than Justin Herbert, but he's able to make such good decisions these days. Well, eh, not recently, but the overall this year, you know, they've been pretty decent because they've spent so much draft capital and money on their offensive line. And the Chargers just need to start doing that. I mean, the Falcons uh, next week could probably sign Tack McKinley's failed physical. <laughs> and he'd get like five sacks. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if that's a stretch anymore with, you know, just how terrible this offensive line is. Um, they're going to have some hard decisions to make. Like, you know, the, you traded for Trey Turner. 
I think it's been a bust and I think you should take that 10 million and put it towards another offensive lineman because uh, they have so many decisions to make when it comes to this offensive line. Like Balaga, I, I guess next year, but I'm, even it looks like he's gone downhill. Um, it, it's just so hard to watch. And, you know, it, the future seems bright because Justin Herbert and all these guys, but, if you hire Josh McDaniels and don't plug some of these holes, it's going to be really bad. Um, the Chargers really upset me today because John McGruden paid, you know, gets paid $100 million to beat the Jets by three points or whatever. <laughs> I can't even make fun of it because the Chargers are the Chargers. It's just it's eternally upsetting. It is, man. And this, you know, we'll, we'll touch on some other free agents too. So, you know, the biggest decisions I think really are going to be who they decide in terms of the older players to bring back or cut. Because, you know, if Mel, if signing Melvin Ingram again means not having the money to go sign an offensive lineman, like that's going to be upsetting. And, you know, as much as I love Casey Hayward, like, I mean, I, he was active today, but I think I only saw him on the field for like 10 snaps. You know, they can save $9 million by cutting him. You know, Melvin Ingram's contract is not going to be cheap. And they've got some other biggest, big uh, potentially contracts as well. You know, Michael Davis is by no means a corner one, mm-hmm. but cornerbacks are not cheap. And, you know, same with Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is not going to be cheap, but they absolutely have to keep Hunter Henry and Michael Davis. So, you know, they've got some tough decisions to kind of cut some dead weight or not and, you know, let some other guys walk. And, and outside of Hunter Henry and Michael Davis, I don't know how many other guys I'm like, yeah, bring them back 100%. I guess you could make an argument for Rayshon Jenkins just because Nasir Adderley is so bad. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but That's more of like a, a lack of a replacement signing than it is like a full-on confidence in Rayshon Jenkins as much as I, you know, he has been playing well, but, you know, bringing him back is, is solely because Nasir Adderley is absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, I think Rayshon is... I, yeah, I think you have to bring him back to some extent just because this year has been so bad. It's been clear that, you know, even if Derwin comes back next year, I, I don't think that, you know, he'll be able to play free safety effectively next to him for, you know, 90% of the snaps every game and then have Alohi Gilman backing him up or whatever. Um, who, hey, Alohi Gilman got snaps today, I guess, at one point. Um, but. I, I just don't see – I think Michael Davis and Hunter Henry are must-signs. Um, a lot of people – there were a lot of people on Twitter who think Bill Belichick was talking to Hunter yeah. Henry at the end of the game and uh, colluding. But, uh, I, yeah, I think you have to sign Hunter Henry and, and Michael Davis. After that, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of decisions. Um, the, the thing that will be interesting to watch for me is the movement of the league in general. Um, I think as we saw in the NBA, it was a lot of – smaller contracts uh, being given out and guys not really negotiating. It was just like they mm. took the first offer they got. So I, I wonder if that's kind of what the NFL market is going to be this year with, you know, the salary cap potentially going down 25 million or someone, something like that. Um, you know, so that might, that I'm, that might help the chargers if it's a less competitive free agency and maybe you cut a guy like Turner um, and free up some room. But uh, no, I definitely think free agency will be competitive for Henry and Davis. And at this point, just to field the team next year, it's like you probably have to re-sign Jenkins. And 
you probably have to re-sign Tevi because you don't have anything better right now uh, unless you're really going to trust, you know, some tackle you take in the first or second round immediately out of the gate. That's not Panay Sewell. So there's just, you know, a lot of holes uh, to, to plug. And I, I don't see how they plug all of them without, you know, taking resources from somewhere else, I guess. Well, unfortunately, whether it's Telesco or the guy who replaces Telesco, they're going to have to spend a lot of money to make up for the fact that he hasn't drafted really anybody to yeah. like be the next guy up. You know, I guess I suppose you know if Ingram walks, you have Mosu. You know, but which of these guys, if other guys walk, are you expected to actually be legit backups? Cortez Brown, inactive. Emeka Egbule, Easton Stick, no. Trip Pipkins, no. You know, you're signing, you have to, you have to spend money on Rayshon Jenkins because you don't want the second round pick Nasir Adderley on the field. Yeah. You know, you might have to, you might have to draft a wide receiver three because KJ Hill isn't doing anything. Joe Reed is inactive. You know, I don't know what the fate holds for Tyron Johnson and, and um, Jalen Guyton. You just, they're going to, they're unfortunately going to have to spend money. Like they might have to bring Forrest Lamp back, even if he sucks the rest of the year, just because they don't like, they have they're to bodies. Spend, yeah. They don't have bodies. Like they're going to be out of bodies at some point. And, you know, they're going to have to spend like little, like, you know, I almost said chinky, not chinky. That's me. <laughs> little, 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 um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, like tiny contracts, like sign, you know, Tyron Johnson, sign Virgil Green, sign Kalen Balaj, like Nick Vigil. God, heaven forbid they actually have to sign Gabe Nibbers next year. You know, for, <laughs> like, like, they're going to have to sign some of these guys yeah. and maybe pay them a little extra to come back to your, your three and nine team. Because they don't have anybody else. Telesco has put them in a position where, yeah, he said like the cap is very healthy and they have a lot of picks. If they don't nail these picks in this next draft, they might seriously go of like two players out of three drafts out of 20 something picks. Yeah. Where, and that's it. Like that's the contributing group. So they're in a really, really tough spot. I don't know what they're going to do as far as the priorities go. Um, Davis is priority number one, I think. Uh, Henry, it depends. I don't know how they feel about. I think they want him to stick around. Obviously, they voted him team captain, or the, the players did. Yeah. Um, that Herbert Henry connection hasn't been great as of late, but I attribute that more to him having to take up some Virgil Green responsibilities. I think. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. It's just tough. Like I'm looking at. I have a list of I don't know what is it, twelve people, and they're all like. I could just see them all returning because the Chargers just don't have some enough bodies on this team to be like the next guys up. You know, the Chargers are going to have to burn a pick this or or sign someone who knows, you know, to to draft the next strong safety behind Derwin James because you can't trust him and you don't want Adderley on the field. So you might have to burn another pick because we all everybody knew that Gilman pick was bad. As soon as you turn on tape, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, you have to do special teams. That's great. You are ass on special teams. So it's just, it's just this free agent period is going to be tough. I don't know how much money they have, but you know, if they have to cut Turner to get more money, to get some of these guys, I get it. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a really, really interesting free agent period. It is. And this conversation is exactly why, you know, I, I tweeted out today, you know, Tom Telesco is as much as on the hot seat as, as Anthony Lynn is in my opinion. Yep. And, you know, just going down this list, Obviously, you draft Justin Herbert, who, who's obviously going to be your future starter, future face of the franchise. You're, you draft Kenneth Murray. He's a starter. 
But then the rest of the list, you're drafting backups. Joshua Kelly's not taking over Austin Eckler's spot. Like best case scenario is there. You're getting a complimentary RB2. Joe Reed, absolutely in no world is he ever going to take over for Keenan Allen as wide receiver one or even Mike Williams as wide receiver two. They Mm -hmm. flat out said he's going to be a return specialist. He's going to be a gadget guy. Great. That's your fourth pick. (laughs) Alohi Gilman, they flat out said he's a special teams pick. Yeah, that was Maybe a future Adrian Phillips. Another backup. Awesome. KJ Hill. Wide receiver six at this point, like another backup. And then you go down to 2019. Jerry Tillery, a backup defensive tackle. Nasir Adderley, a backup free safety. Trey Pipkins, a backup tackle. Drew Tranquil. And bad. And bad. Drew Tranquil, like, yes, absolutely. He looked great. He's hurt. Easton Stick, backup (laughs) quarterback. Emeka Egbley, six-string pass pusher. Cortez Broughton, inactive on game day. Like, Tom Telesco can go too, man. Like, this is this team is dumb, and it starts with Tom Telesco, <laughs> and it goes down to, to Anthony Lynn. They are just dumb, and that is why they're about to go 3-13 and 13 mm-hmm. after upgrading at quarterback position. The most chargest thing I could have ever thought of is that they yep. went from Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert and upgraded the quarterback position and got noticeably worse. Amen. Yeah, hey, man, got me fired up already. It's, <laughs> it's so frustrating because everybody thinks like, oh, Tom Tolosco, he's the coupon god. I'm like, yeah, he has some very good qualities. Like he does. His undrafted free agent track record is amazing. Sure. But he's basically punted on the last two drafts. And even 2018, like you, you got Derwin, you got Uchenna, sure. Justin Jones is a run-stuffing defensive tackle. Whoopee. Kaiser White, backup linebacker. Scott Questenberry, can't ever see the field. Dylan Cantrell, plays tight end for the Cardinals. Justin Jackson, can never stay healthy. Like, this team cannot draft well. They can't sign free agents well. Clean house. Everybody, go away. I'm so frustrated by this. Oh, they're not going to clean house, though. You know Anthony Lynn's going to go, and then he's going to hire McDaniels, and this is where (laughs) we're going, and it's going to be another five fucking terrible years of whatever this bullshit is. I it's it's such a nightmare. I I want off of this train. Everyone is a cancer. Uh, I, I I'm I don't know, man. I'm broken. <laughs> You're broken. Oh man, this is it's it's tough to be a Chargers fan. I'm not gonna lie. And you know I've said this a couple of times. My wife used to be a Packers fan, and she's like, like how do you do this? Like wh- like how do you put up with this stuff? And it's like well. You know, for the longest time, I've just been focusing on, you know, player development and it's been, it's been fun. You know, I like the players a lot, obviously, but you know, at some point I would like to root for a winner. You know, 2018 was so much fun because they were winning. Like it would be nice if this team could win some games next year and, and, you know, not have Raiders fans and Steelers fans and Cowboys fans and Patriots fans and all these other teams that are coming to town next year, take over the stadium because no one cares about the Chargers anymore. It's going to be a disaster. I'm or I am already dreading. Heaven forbid they bring Lynn back because oh. I am already dreading going to SoFi. It's a beautiful, amazing stadium, but I don't need to go take a trip down to Inglewood just to sit with a bunch of Cowboys fans and then watch yeah. the team get blown out. Uh, you know, I just I don't know. Like I t- tweeted this. I re- like there's not a fan that like, they didn't who who is now a fan of the chargers? Like who watched the team? Like maybe 2018, like, Oh, they're getting somewhere cool. Yeah. Just, pfft, 2019. Okay. You got, you got a Herbert, I guess, but every, even then, 
Like no one was hyped about Herbert. I mean, I mean, not no one. Thank you, Oregon fans, for chipping in here. But otherwise, <laughs> like it wasn't like the big like, oh my gosh, they got Herbert. Yeah, franchise, let's go. That wasn't until he started playing well. Yeah, and the, the team just stinks. So it, it's I'm if they hire McDaniel's and they go into next season, and I it's going to be a rough start because they have a lot of things they're going to have to fix. I'm sure they're going to have a ton of new players. It's going to look ugly before it gets better. And we'll be sitting there with a bunch of Steelers fans. I somehow always miss that game for whatever reason. But I, I just, I can't, I can, but can't wait to sit with a bunch of, St- me, Steven, Alex, you can show up too if you want. That's fine. I'll get yeah, you. virtually. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'll zoom in. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. It, it's going to be rough. I am dreading the experience. And uh, yeah, not fun. I'm paying a lot of money to to be miserable. You know, for for me, I live on the other side of the country, so like I I don't really care, you know, who whose fans are at what games and all that. I just care about like at this point, you know, Joey Bosa and Keenan Allen and all those guys are like, you know, fighting and, you know, it's it's yielding them nothing. You know, Joey Bosa's been on a tear and um Keenan Allen has kind of cooled off in the last two weeks, but like those veteran guys like don't don't deserve this, you right. know, in a way um, to, to be having their second straight losing season. Um, that's, that's what's the most disheartening thing to me. And, and Keenan Allen in particular has now been through, you know, uh, really, I guess what two regimes, three regimes, I think two regimes now Two, Yeah. Um, yeah. With the Michael Coy was hired in 13, but um, it, it's just, you know, I, I guess, hard to not see it getting better when you see um you know especially teams like the Raiders and the you know Chiefs have their coach at least um you know probably for an extended period of time and the Chargers are going into their you know third you know head coaching search in 10 years really um so that's the hard thing to see and uh I I just don't know you know how you you know, keep this team together moving forward. And I, based on this season, you know, obviously I don't want to overreact, but I think there's a lot of things that they have to do before they become a contender, which is, you know, shocking given all of the gifts they've been given with Herbert and Allen and Bosa and all these guys. Um, You know, there's no world in which you should have those three guys uh, and some of the other great players on the roster, like Eckler and Henry, uh, and you lose by 45 to Cam Newton, who didn't even throw 20 times. Like, there's no yeah. world in where, that, where that should happen. And that's that's really my fear going forward, is just not um, not having those guys happy uh, and, you know, creating a uh, bad culture. Um, so that that's that's really my fear going forward. Yeah, man, and keeping Anthony Lynn around is is a bad, bad business decision. Like whether or not it's it's right for him or for the team, you know, that's a different discussion that people can have. But you know, there is no way that Anthony Lynn being this coach next year brings excitement to a team that really needs excitement. You know, I've hated the they need to sell tickets narrative. You know, that's been going around with. Uh, you know, free agency moves and coaching hires and things like that. But the reality is that they do, they do need to sell tickets and they do need to grow this fan base. And if Anthony Lynn is the coach again next year, they're not going to. And 
it's just going to be tough. It's going to be a wasted year. It really is. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm an internal optimist. And if Anthony is the coach next year, I'm not predicting more than five wins. Like it's, it's not going to happen. And it's just, it would be unfortunate because the best way to build a contending team in the NFL is have a rookie quarterback. Who's really freaking good. And then you go for it everywhere else. And that's where they're at right now. They have Justin Herbert. He's really freaking good. He He's making, you know, like $4 million, which is incredibly cheap for quarterbacks. And they have to get these other moves right. And, you know, otherwise it's just going to be continued mediocrity, which is just so unfortunate because they have all these great, these special players like Alex was saying. But I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see. I don't think he's going to get fired tomorrow, although he probably should. Um, but I, I think ultimately they'll wait until the end of the season. And, uh, you know, that article by Ian Rappaport really was like, okay, like this is happening, you know. Yeah. I, I tweeted about Colin Coward a couple times this week and like him pumping out the narrative is great. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's still Colin Coward. But <laughs> Ian Rappaport saying Anthony Lynn is on the hot seat, like that kind of – and that came out before this <laughs> before yeah. this game. So, Whew. you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that Anthony Lynn is going to get fired. Um, which is just unfortunate that that's where we're at right now. Yeah, there's no way he survives the season at this point. If we're already hearing rumblings and then Ian Rappaport's talking about it, it's it's pretty much a done a done deal. As far as being fired midseason goes, who are you going to promote? The guy you're going to also fire at the end of the season, you know? So, yeah. okay, you promote Bradley and he's fired anyway. You promote Steichen, he's fired anyway. Pep Hamilton is not going to be your interim head coach. Yeah, you know so. I mean, that, that's, out, what I I, that's what I said earlier today, and I was like, okay, well, there's no one that you're going to promote, but, I, like, at this point, I don't care. Like, <laughs> why don't we just, like, get, you know, get this done with before the end of the season? Like, I, I've, I've totally 180'd on it based on this whole uh, mess that happened today. I, I just never saw that coming. It hit me like a truck. Uh, just that the game went that badly. Um, you know, especially because this team has been, you know, the whole one score game thing and keeping it close, right. um, you know, for them to lose by 45 to the worst Patriots team in 20 years is, is just kind of baffling. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely want them to clean house. Um, I definitely want them to, you know, make the changes now mid season. If Rappaport's already mentioned it, why don't we just do it? Um, it's it's just tough to to see the Lynn tenure go down uh, this badly, you know. I, I guess is from where it was two years ago, and looking on the up and up to to now, that's that's the toughest thing. It is. I think that is the right way to end it. So, uh, any other thoughts before we guys, before we wrap up, you guys? Yeah, the Chargers were favored to win this game. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i forgot about that there's my final thoughts <laughs> my gosh oh vegas man what are you thinking um anyways so that was just an embarrassment today no other way to put it um but hey you know man the holidays are coming up hopefully you guys got some uh chargers boxes i guess um anyways we hope you guys have a good week and we will see you on thursday fuck josh mcdaniels this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.